Well, I invite you all to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And there should be a pew Bible nearby you if you don't have one handy. The uh, Psalms are a little bit before midway through your Bible in the Old Testament. Certainly before you get to Isaiah and Jeremiah and so forth. But after First and Second Kings and Chronicles and whatnot. Psalm 78 is going to be our focus today. And as you are turning there, uh, I want to say a, a sort of qualifier, I guess, for, for all that I'm going to talk about for the next 25 minutes or so. And that is that as we are focusing on God's call for us as a congregation to reach and extend the gospel to the next generation of, of kids that are coming into our midst, that are children of the families in our church, and, and as we're also certainly urging, encouraging uh, parents, and certainly on this Mother's Day, sort of encouraging mothers with that calling and importance of investing in that next generation in our nuclear families. We also want to recognize that a huge part of the calling of our church is to reach beyond those uh, constraints and to reach kids that are outside of the families in our church. That's a big part of what we're doing in a couple of weeks with Kids Camp. And that's an exciting time because it brings together our families and our kids can invite fellow kids from school and reach out to them. And, and of course, we're also wanting to reach adults and others that are maybe currently outside of the gospel, haven't come to surrender their lives to, to Jesus. So, so as we focus in on this emphasis on uh, taking the faith to the next generation, we, of course, don't want to exclude those that are maybe outside of, of that uh, younger generation. We want to reach all that we can uh, with the gospel. That being said, the scriptures put great emphasis on the privilege and the responsibility of a church family and of a, a nuclear family, if you will, of investing in that next generation. And so we want to look at what Psalm 78 has to say about that today. I invite you to read along with verses 1 through 8 as I read them aloud. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and of his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his command, commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask today that you would lead us, instruct us, give us vision, give us passion for the calling that you have for us to uh, not just exist for ourselves, not even just exist for our own spiritual growth and development, but to always be looking forward, to always be looking ahead to those that would be coming up and that need to hear from you. They not only need to hear from you, but Lord, that we have the privilege of equipping, as the psalm said, 
to bless others coming behind them. Father, be with us now. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whether uh, we are a parent or we uh, interact with kids, maybe in our family environment, the aunt and an uncle, or you've helped out with some of the kids' activities here at Children's Church or nursery or whatever here at Cross Creek Church, uh, we all probably have some kind of interaction with the kiddos, some of us maybe more regularly than others. And it can be a, a challenging thing, right? So we've got to clear the air on that. The fact is, uh, investing in the next generation is not an easy thing. As, uh, as one uh, parent humorously jotted down the following four inputs that I thought were, were pretty insightful. This person said, you spend the first two years of their life teaching them to walk and to talk. And you spend the next 16 telling them to Sit down and to be quiet. Same person observed, grandchildren are, in fact, God's reward for not killing your own children. <laughs> the main purpose, this person said, of holding children's birthday parties is to remind yourself that there are indeed children that are more awful than your own. And lastly, I, I like this one, given the number of times the door opens and closes at the Peter's house every day. We child-proofed our homes, but they are still getting in somehow. <laughs> Even though it's challenging, the calling to invest in the next generation, and they don't always seem as receptive and ready as we'd like to, it's interesting the, the uh, opportunities that we have sometimes as well. Uh, my bride was riding along with our youngest uh, recently in the minivan, and she sent me a little text about their uh, conversation they had had. The uh, youngster asked mom, uh, when did Adam and Eve die? Mom, you know, wasn't able to really generate an answer to that, so she said to him, well, we, we don't know that. I'm not sure that's in the, in the Bible anywhere. The youngster was a little upset, said, mom, I thought you were the wife's pastor. So sometimes even the wife's pastor struggles to get the answer that the little kid would look for. There's probably some nuance we could take from that wife's pastor comment. And so it's a challenge to invest in the next generation, yet there's those opportunities that he provides for us. And what I want us to see today in Psalm 78, it, it's, it's pretty clear what this passage says, right? You don't need a whole lot of uh, detail or theological knowledge to understand the message of these verses in Psalm 78. It's pointing out to us the glorious privilege and opportunity and the calling and responsibility that we have to extend the faith to those that are coming up. Uh, below us, if you will, in age and stage. The back section of your worship guide has a sermon note section. If you want to turn there, uh, you're welcome to. And the main idea I just want us to talk about for a few minutes today is that uh, so that the coming generations might know and share God's glory. So that the coming generations might know and share God's glory, we should invest ourselves in their spiritual growth. 
We're desiring to see young ones come to know Christ, come to surrender their lives to him, come to receive his forgiveness that that they need just like all of us, even at the youngest age, his mercy and his grace. And and then to desire to to live for him. And, And then we're also, as the psalm points out, desiring to see them extend that to those around them and those that will come after them to share that message. Well, what does the psalm say about these things? First of all, I. I put in your worship guide a quote about fathers, but surely it would apply to mothers as well from Charles Spurgeon, who said this. Many a poor man has had no other legacy to leave his children except his blessing. But the blessing of an honest, holy Christian father is a rich treasure to his son. Same could be said, couldn't it? For the mothers in our midst. And what Spurgeon was getting at is that you don't have to have anything else. Now, granted, we all we all value the educational development of uh, the young ones in our family or we value it in our church family for the young ones here. We certainly value their uh, athletic development and skill training, maybe their uh, artistic involvement, their relational development. All those things are important or valuable. But what Spurgeon's reminding us of is that even if there's nothing else that we're really able to pass on to our child, even if they don't pick up any of those other things, we can be satisfied. We can be thankful If God has allowed us to pass on the gospel, allowed us to pass on Christ, that their lives would be touched by him. It's interesting if you uh, look at this Psalm 78 and just look at these first eight verses with me. uh, A couple of things I I see here at the end of verse one and beginning of verse two, it talks about inclining our ears to the words of God's mouth. I'll open my mouth. It says utter dark sayings of old. What is that saying? It's saying in order to impart something, we've got to be getting it. We've got to be receiving it. So it's easy uh, for some of us, many with young ones, to be in that stage. We're kind of ah, I'm not sure I want to get through another sermon and go hear that guy talk for a half hour. Maybe I'll go for the kids benefit. And I'm excited for the ways kids are being benefited in our church. But goodness, we as the parents need to be regularly equipped too, because of those moments, because of those teachable moments in the in the minivan or right before going to bed when the lights are about to be turned off where those questions that are profound, that are crucial about life and purpose and hope and joy, we have an opportunity to answer. So God's word is going to be the center of that for us as parents and for the children. These, uh, these dark sayings from old, it's, it's talking about the, the historicity, the uh, validity of Scripture, of God's word, and that we ought to hear from it. It's special. It's unique. It goes on, if you look down in verse 4, look at what it is that's listed first. That's supposed to be passed on to the next generation. It says we will tell the coming generation how to obey God's word, um, how to be real, you know, sort of happy. How to be. What does it say? It says we'll tell him, tell them the glorious deeds of the Lord and of his might, the wonders that he has done. I think that's a paradigm for us. The first thing that we ought to desire to see imparted to the children our congregation touches and the children in each one of our families is to to have them know what Jesus has done for them. 
The Old Testament people looked forward to that. It's interesting. The rest of this psalm is really all about the people of God stumbling in their faith as they come out of Egypt. They're rescued out of Egypt, just like we're rescued out of our sin and slavery to sin. And they're brought out into a promised land, just like we're brought out to know Jesus. That's the message here. And it's all throughout the rest of this psalm. And the idea is this. Focus on what God has done for you first and foremost. That ought to be the main thing that we teach our children. Now, that's not all we should teach. As you look on down with me at verse 5, it says, The testimony was established, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Are there some uh, rules and regs, some directives that we ought to give our our kiddos, uh, just, just like we're teaching them how to eat good food so they'll be strengthened, you know, physically. And we're teaching them to not run out in the street without looking, you know, things to avoid and things to pursue for their benefit. It's exactly what God's commandments are for us, right, as adults and for all of us. So we want to impart the commands as well, the response to the gospel. So we start with what what has God done for us? How has he loved us? How has he sent Christ? And then we respond and teach our young ones to respond to that grace And seeking to walk with him. And then one more uh, note from this part of the psalm. Verse 7. What's the end game? So that they should set their hope in God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to be able to say? Of the kids that come through our church. The kids that God's entrusted to us in our families. That above all else. They've set their hope in God. He's the direction that they're going towards for their joy. He's the direction that they're going towards for their life. He's their satisfaction. He's their Lord. He's the one directing them. It's interesting uh, to note what Spurgeon says along these lines as we think about putting our hope and, and we think about Mother's Day and we think about the impact that families can have. Ultimately, all of these things, though, even though they're incredibly valuable, are to point little ones to Christ. Listen to what Spurgeon says. I think it's in your worship guide as well. He says, I thank you, my God, for my earthly father. But, oh, be my heavenly father. Then I shall be blessed indeed. I thank you, my God, for a mother's love. But comfort my soul as one whom a mother comforts. Then I shall be blessed indeed. I thank you, Savior, for the marriage bond. But be the bridegroom of my soul. I thank you for the tie of brotherhood. But be my brother, born for adversity, bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. Right? The the family bonds that we have are so special, so important, and so deep. But ultimately, those only find their fulfillment in the Lord. He's the ultimate satisfier of all of those things. One or two other things that I'll point out from... The psalm, and then I'll make a couple of applications for us. Jump on down to verse 21 of that Psalm 78, if you still have your Bible open. We didn't read all this. I wasn't going to read through this whole context. But again, it's the people of God coming out of Egypt. They're being rescued. And yet they stumble. They see God's incredible power taking them through the Red Sea. Just as we see Jesus saving us and we experience him. And then it seems two days later or two years later, we've wandered away. And the things of him are not so valuable to us. Not so important to us. Look at verse 21. It says, therefore, when the Lord heard, this is hearing about their stumbling, he's full of wrath. He's upset. So it's a holy and righteous God that we're dealing with. Goes on in verse 22. Why? 
because they did not believe. They did not trust in his saving power. You know, ultimately, we have different behaviors and issues that we struggle with that we know aren't glorifying to God. You know what? The root of all of those things for us as adults is a lack of faith, a lack of trust in who God is. Ultimately, same is true for our kids. But then listen to the grace. So you see kind of the wrath of God, the holiness of God. You see the role of faith. And then verse 23, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat. They didn't have any right to demand that from God, that he would provide for them, that he would be what they need. And yet he decided to do it out of his loving kindness, just as he does for each one of us. And if you read through the whole rest of this psalm, I won't do it. But you have that sequence over and over again. It reminds us of God's holy and righteous character. It reminds us of the fact that we turn away from faith and we don't walk with him as we should. And then it reminds us again that he's been gracious to us. Look again at verse 38, if you will. It says, yet he being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. Over and over again, this message of his loving kindness that we don't deserve. Well, what is all of that? mean for us today it certainly means we ought to instruct and pass along god's word in our individual families uh, deuteronomy talks about this i think that may be listed in your worship guide in deuteronomy chapter six there's several verses that speak to it it says this hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one shall love the lord your god with all of your heart with all your soul and with all your might these words i command you today shall be on your heart You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Speaking about that opportunity for us to share this message of salvation, of God's commands with the little ones around us. You know, it's interesting to try to do that because sometimes we feel like we're dumping information and it's too much. They kind of can't digest it all it's like the uh the little boy that came to his mom one day and said uh, mom tell me about penguins the mom said well I, I don't really know that much about penguins you should ask your father the child said mom i don't want to know that much about penguins it's a little like that when we're trying to impart spiritual truth right it feels like we got this uh, fire hose of, of uh, information maybe that we want our little ones to receive and they're not always tuned in. They're not always registering. They're not always focused. Uh, a mentor of mine encouraged me, though, to, to, to view it as a, as a cup that's filled up with liquid. And there's, there, there's liquids that, you know, the child is pulling in, pouring in from their own brokenness and sinful nature from the moment they come into the world. There's, there's the liquid of the world's uh, struggles and evils and temptations that are being poured in there. Those things are, and, and the mentor said, you ought to just keep trying to pour the good stuff in as much as you can and cause it to overflow and just keep pushing out that, uh, that other stuff. Don't worry about the fact that you're kind of overloading. It'll, it, it'll be needed. It'll be needed in there to push out some of those other things. Four things I want to think about, kind of big picture, and we'll wrap up with this today. I want us to think a little bit, and certainly it it ties in, it correlates with the fact that that this is this Forward by Faith Month. And, And one of the things that we're 
praying through as a church. I hope individual families, as you're praying this week and preparing, uh, we're, we're praying that each each family unit in our church, each individual, each member, would be participating in some way next week to come. And we're going to have a special time in the worship service at the end of the service next week to present those cards that uh, I think most of you all have received in the mail. And we'll send them back out again this week in case you lost yours. Uh, A big part of that is our hope that the facilities that we one day will have on the land that we're looking to buy now We'll be able to multiply the impact. Did you see the picture of the, uh, the image, if you will, of the kids up front here with the handprints? Is that a blessing that we've been able to, to be used of the Lord to touch those kids' lives and that God continues to expand that outreach? We just want to see that continue to, to grow. Uh, we're already filling a lot of this space up that they'll allow us to, to use, and so we'll, uh, we'll be needing that. But, but ultimately... It's not just about that. It's about the vision for what we want to see happen. And I don't know if you want to look at it as sort of uh, four strands of a rope that are sort of wound together. Or if you want to look at it as four layers on top of each other. But let me just leave you with this to, to think about as we think about the vision for investing in the next generation in our church and, and maybe in our individual families. The, the first layer of that or the first strand of that uh, of that rope, I think, is, is just what we've been talking about today. The gospel, this message that uh, all of us starting right up here with this this guy talking are far more sinful, broken and needy than we probably will ever realize. God's gracious to us to only maybe reveal segments of that to us at certain times. But then guess what? That's the bad news. The good news is he loves us in Christ far more than we could ever have hoped. His graciousness and kindness exceeds uh, anything that we could imagine. And as a result, we can trust him with our whole lives and all that we are and seek to follow him. That's the message that that message has got to be through adults from the oldest folks in our congregation all the way down to the little ones. And if you want to talk about impact in the next generation, it starts with the gospel. So uh, we're not just teaching behavioralism. Let's make sure our kids don't get into a lot of trouble. Let's hope that they uh, turn out relatively good citizens. That's not the main focus of what we're trying to see our kids learn here. What we want them to see is that they're broken, too. They need Jesus as well. Right from the earliest age and that Jesus loves them and then their lives will be transformed by that, not by some rules and regulations that we just want to put upon them. Now, we want them to grow in holiness and desire to obey God's commands, but that's going to be a result of their relationship with Christ. So that's got to be layer one to me through everything and through all that we are as a as a church. The second layer on top of that, I think, is. Something that we try to do, which is to take those ideas and put them in some statements we can understand. We call them a vision or a strategy, glorifying God by inviting all into God's grace. Those are nice for adults that you know, come in and visit. They're nice for us that we can remember kind of what is the focus of our church. But guess what? Those things are also really helpful because our kids can understand, at least at some level, those things. The strategy, grow in truth, live in community, serve in the kingdom. Those are things that we can impart to them and that flow out of that gospel. So that's going to be part of that's going to be that second layer of who we are as a as a church. The, the third thing, and, and yes, I'm getting to what you might think we would talk about our programs to reach kiddos. We've got some programs we'll talk about. But even before that, that next layer 
has got to be the role that we have as a church to support and encourage parents on the home front, whether it's a single parent home or both mom and dad are there, whether it's his, hers and ours, whatever your situation is, that we believe a huge part of our role is to help equip you. Now, we're going to do more than that. We're going to help do some things as a church that maybe extend and expand beyond what you can do at home. But number one, we want to help you as parents. And we've even put together a, uh, a booklet. They're out in the foyer on the table. I brought uh, some today just for uh, for this purpose. We had a few extra made that's uh, got a got a funky title that I'm sure I came up with, not Laura. But it just says our plan for childhood spiritual development through church and family. If you hadn't looked at this for a while, I encourage you to read it. If you've never had a chance to read it, this is at least a summary of what we believe we're doing as a church to help uh, support what you're doing and encourage who you are. So uh, we're not expecting to replace what you do at home. We're expecting to uh, supplement and add on to that, which leads us to the last thing, that fourth layer or that uh, fourth strand in the rope. And that is that we absolutely love the opportunity. And I'm so thankful for those that volunteer for Children's Church, that are volunteering back in the nursery, that are helping to teach our Sunday school. Probably my only thing with Sunday school is I'd I'd love to see more families plant a stake hard and fast in the ground and say, you know what? Uh, We're doing what we can at home. We really want to take advantage of all that the church is doing. And so we're going to get our youngster there each Sunday because we know those teachers for Sunday school are preparing during the week. And Laura and and Katie uh, Weaver now is taking over for Laura. Uh, They're they're equipping and providing the teaching that those little ones really need. So so we're we're doing those things, the preteen discipleship, uh, the youth group that are that are here and get together. Although I went to the youth group one night, stopped by the house unannounced. And it took me a while to find the youth leaders. They were having so much fun there. I said, I thought you were doing Bible study in here. Everybody was just having fun, which was great. Those kind of programs are absolutely important. But they're, they're, they're on top of, they're, they're built upon the layer of the gospel of free grace. The layer of the vision that we have as a church that we can understand and, and articulate. The layer of families growing in the gospel. And then on top of that, Lord willing, uh, the work that God is doing through the programs of our church. All of this, we're praying, would allow us, as the psalm says, to tell the praiseworthy deeds of God to the coming generation that they might set their hope in God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for uh, this time today again and the way this whole worship service has really been an opportunity to, to see in a, a tangible way. Uh, the children coming up to join as communicants, others reminding us of the many lives that are being touched through these handprints and the fact that we're just on the cusp of our kids' camp time, Lord. What a great uh, opportunity, Lord, for us to refocus, to reconsider, maybe for some here to think about it for the first time. The calling that we have as adults in this congregation to, as a church family, lead and shepherd the next generation. The calling that we have here, those of us who are parents, uh, with little ones particularly in the home, to seek to have your word, those dark sayings of, from of old, those truths of you, Lord, shape our lives. And to... to Speak of the great things that you have done, first and foremost, not just 
uh, some rules of the spiritual life. But first and foremost, the fact that Jesus has died for us, that he's done the great thing. He's the hero. He's the rescuer. And Lord, that out of that then would flow, transform lives for us as adults and transform lives of the little ones in our church. And Father, we do absolutely pray as well as we come into this Sunday a week from today that you would really move us by the opportunity we have to not just impact the kids who are involved in our church right now, but to impact families and little ones that we've yet to reach. And Lord, as we grow and expand as a church family, we're going to need some facilities to do that. And we need a piece of land first to get to that point. So we ask that you would lead and guide us in that as well. In Jesus' name, amen.